Hello, everybody. I am your host, Felipe, and you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. And with me, as always, is Sean Flannery. How are you doing, Sean? Oh, I am doing great. Just another early Sunday morning, and we're bringing you a nice little weekly recap and uh, some other interesting tidbits for the next week. Yeah, Sunday morning come down right here at the Total Basis Podcast. Uh, let's get going. Let's get off because we have a lot of players to cover today, as we always uh, want to do. And uh, we are looking at the CBSSports.com fantasy baseball most uh, coveted players of the last uh, week or so, according to their uh, website numbers. Yeah. And at the very top of the list is one Jed Lowry, uh, former Oakland a- ass, Oakland A's <laughs> farmhand. And then he's uh, gone to the Astros, to the Mets, and now he's back with Oakland try, uh, trying to uh, actually, no, not a, oh, I. It's a Red Sox. I didn't realize that Jet Larry was a Red Sox. Before. It was Red Sox, then Astros, then someplace else, and then Oakland, I think. Yeah, and then Houston, Mets, and Oakland. then back to Oakland. No, he was at one point, he was just boomeranging. Uh, Houston, Oakland, Houston, Oakland, Mets, Oakland. <laughs> so anytime the uh, A's are desperate enough for a second um, second baseman, they'll just uh, summon Jet Lowry like they've done this year. Uh, he's doing Jet Lowry things with the good walk rate, with the really good, uh, with the uh, relatively good strikeout rate. Uh, on base percentages high, but he's also what 37 years old. So how much do we want to believe in Jet Lowry for the? Rest I mean, of the I I actually believe in it a good bit more so than most other people, and that's because Jed Lowry had two completely lost years. I'm not sure if you read the article in the Athletic, but the whole ordeal that led him to playing, you know, or appearing and only having eight plate appearances for the Mets over two years was uh, he came in, they realized he had a issue with his knee in spring training 2019, and he wanted to get the surgery. The team said no. They said, we'll figure out a way to rehab it and play through it. And then 2019 season ended. He said, okay, now can I get the surgery? And the team said no, and if you do, we're going to file a grievance against you. And that led to him just sitting out all the 2020 season. And But when he's healthy, if you look at his two seasons before coming to the match, which was 2017 and 2018, uh, he was a – I just had it pulled up here. He was a top 25 player in war in all of baseball. He was tied with guys like Yasmani Grandal and Manny Machado and ahead of guys like Bryce Harper and Xander Bogarts. He's a professional hitter uh, over those two years that he had in Oakland – uh, 272, 356, 448, 122 WRC plus, 37 home runs, and over 330 runs and RBIs combined over the two years. And Oakland brought him back on a minor league deal. I mean, this was the complete buy low. They didn't have a shortstop or really a second baseman at that point, but until they signed Lowry and then traded for Elvis Andrus. Mm-hmm. And Jed Lowry has just gone back to doing what he did. He's healthy. He is his legs underneath him again. And when he was in Oakland last time, Matt Chapman really credited Jed Lowry with not only being a good teammate, which he is, but being like the secondary hitting coach, the the hitting coach that actually gets to step into the box and then can come back into the dugout and explain in a language that the other hitters understand saying, hey, this is what this guy's throwing. This is how we need to attack yeah, uh, so it's intangibles that only veterans can bring, the ones that all of a sudden, it's like I never took too much stock in them. 
And now that everybody just kind of uh, wants to piss all over bad contracts and, uh, and just look at the numbers and results-based uh, statistics, all of a sudden those intangibles no one cares about. But, you know, this is what we talk about, right, Sean? It's like those intangibles, they, they can't be measured. And that ultimately leads to results for everybody else on, on, on those respective teams. So, so that's a good thing. I always liked Jet Lowry. It's just that, you know, uh, it seems like he was always kind of pushed to the side. Uh, and uh, you mentioned professional hitter. In a points league, that doesn't fly too well because eventually you got to hit for some power. Uh, but, you know, he can get on base. He's very patient. And that travels to everybody involved on his own team. So that's good to hear. I like the story. Uh, people are asking me why I shaved. I had a wedding to attend to yesterday. <laughs> so I had to. Uh, my daughter had fun with it. She was, like, touching my face the whole time. And, and uh, <laughs> she was uh, like, what is this? Yeah, she was laughing her ass off. Like, I never, like, usually it's easy to make her laugh. But in this situation, all she had to do was touch my face. And just, like, she probably thought, oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're as soft as my, my skin. <laughs> but I guess I'm a big baby now. Okay. <laughs> we uh, already knew that. <laughs> oh, th- this was the, the stat that I wanted to bring up when Gary, uh, Gary, Jed Lowry came up, was the most hard hit balls in the AL, yeah. uh, 95 miles an hour or higher. Kyle Seeger, 23. Mitch Hanniger, 22, Nelson Cruz, 22, and Jed Lowry, 22. So Jed Lowry has as many 95 mile an hour hit balls as Nelson Cruz. All right. Interesting take, but you know, so you, it's heard it there. Here, you heard it here first, guys. Uh, according to Sean Flannery, Jet Lowry is now Nelson Cruz. So go get him. Hey, he, they never age. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> All right, we don't, we don't know how, actually, we do with Nelson Cruz, but we, yeah. We uh, and Jet Lowry, all he did was take a year off last year, right? Is that what happened? Two years, two years. Sorry, yeah. He he got a whole eight plate appearances in 2019 at the end of the year. He didn't start, he just appeared as a pinch hitter and yeah. had no walks or uh, had no hits in, I think, one walk. So there you go. He's fresh, he's fresh. Yeah, That's he, what he's is, absolutely yeah. fresh. <laughs> all right. Uh, Husker, you know, uh, this is a guy that you and I were kind of championing last week, especially uh, uh, the two starts that he was going to get this week. Um, first start looked pretty good. The second start did not look so good. Uh, and, but he's still, uh, I think people are buying into the hype for a Huascar Hinoa. Are we still buying Huascar Hinoa for the rest of the season here, Sean? It's interesting when you look at one, the, I thought he was a lefty for the, the weirdest reason, but he is not a lefty. He is a righty. Okay. Uh, he's got the good, you know, 95 mile an hour heat and he's got a great slider. And when you look at the pitch similarities based on velocity and movement, uh, on baseball savant, you get some interesting names. You get guys like Brandon Woodruff and Tyler Glass now. And then you also get guys like Dylan Cease and Mitch Keller, which are the kind of the I have great stuff, but I have no clue what I'm doing with it. And <laughs> so it's interesting. He, like I said, he has that great slider. He's uh, got a batting average against of under 175. Uh, whiff rate is over 40%. And the velo on the fastball is good, but uh, for two years in a row now, going back into 2020, his fastball just gets crushed. Even though it has good velo, uh, wow. batting average ends of 350, it was 342 last year. It's just not fooling hitters. I, it might be a guy that I, I play matchups with. Yeah. Obviously, last week we were really excited. Uh, he was going to get what the Marlins and the, the Cubs. Cubs. Yeah, that that seemed like a great matchup to play him. 
and yeah, he was great. It. He was great against the Marlins, and he just laid an absolute egg versus uh, the Cubs. He's a guy to keep an eye on. I'm not rushing to add him. He, usually, he's been added in most leagues by now. Um, as we can see, he's been added in like 53% of leagues uh, based on what you sent me last night. So uh, He's at 60 now. So yeah, yeah, 60. He, yeah. He, he keeps I'm, uh, rising there. I won't be the guy that goes and tries to get him, probably. Yeah, and I'm contemplating if I should drop him or not because, like, like you mentioned, he's a young guy. He's only, what? Uh, 22. Yeah, oh, yeah. 22. I mean, the future value isn't there, but the, you mentioned the stuff is there. So that's kind of intriguing. And the Braves are always desperate for pitching. And he basically shot up uh, and leapfrog all those other prospects we had mentioned before on this Braves team. So there's a lot of intrigue. Uh, you know, the Braves are a good team this year, so he'll get the run support, theoretically speaking. So but at the same time, you know, uh, that matchup against the Cubs was a real um turnoff for me i guess so now i have some decisions to do Do you have pulled up in front of you who his next start is against oh uh no but i can uh i can search for that right really quick but as i was saying it, i'm kind of a crossroads with the uh, huascar i was hoping that he could be not just a two-start pitcher for me but a long-term play for me as well um and unfortunately uh cbs oh i see what happened cbs is being uh, very difficult right now of course it is yeah as it's wont to do here but uh, let's check it out. Oscar Yanoa, 22-year-old, 45 future value. His next start will be against, oh, Jesus Christ. Why can't, oh, there it is. Luke Weaver. There's another guy, right? Uh, so the, the Diamondbacks, that might be a good start for him. I, I would, if I had him, I would, I would keep him in my lineup just to see if how he rebounds. But if he lays another egg against Arizona, then I would say it's time to, pack it up and go home <laughs> well that'd be a shame because like, like you said it long-term play but yeah um, i might just do it and cut bait right now and just keep an eye on him for the rest of the season see how he performs uh diamondbacks are five and ten so it looks to be a nice uh matchup for him and, we'll and they see. got another offensive injury tim lacasher is going to hit the il dislocated his pinky uh required four stitches so i'm sure that that looked ugly Ugh. But and can you imagine it was actually on his first ever caught stealing that he breaks his finger. So it's like that's what that's what you get. You, you do it 28 times in a row, major yeah, league record, right. without being caught. And then the first time you get caught, yeah, I'm just gonna screw up my hand real bad. <laughs> that, that's why I got caught stealing. It wasn't because the catcher got me, it was because I broke my hand. Yeah, that, that's why. That's that's a real tragedy there. Uh next guy up is Zach McKiss McKinstry. McKinstry. Sorry. McKinstry. From the L.A. Dodgers, 54% uh, ownership rate and rising. Um, and I'm assuming he's getting playing time because of Cody Bellinger or Yeah, what? He, he's one of those utility guys. He's played all over the infield, but I think he's mainly playing outfield for them mm-hmm. uh, right now. Right if field. I can pull up. Yeah, he's played eight games in right field, three in left, and six at second base. So that those are kind of his positions there. I, for one, I'm not all that interested in him. He's one of those guys that when he was in AAA for the Dodgers, everyone was like, oh, my God, this guy's so good, but he has nowhere to play because it's the Dodgers. Uh, In AAA, he's played, had 95 played appearances and batted 382 with a 421 on base and a 753 slugging. Of course, that's in the PCL. Um, He had seven home runs and only 89 at-bats. That's awesome. But he just by looking at his – kind of periphery baseball savant things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can't hit a breaking ball. 
Uh, he he whiffs like crazy. He he can't hit a breaking ball. And once pitchers adjust to that, he, I think he's going to be done. And I think guys like maybe Edwin Rios or Matt Beatty get more of that playing time than Zach McKinstry. All right, moving on. So that's a no from you. Yeah, that's about, a no from me. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Short term play here, but whatever. Uh, Wilson Ramos. Uh, <laughs> it's that time of year where uh, people realize that the catchers that they drafted are crap. And now Wilson Ramos has. I mean, I would have expected Wilson Ramos to be drafted in almost every league. Well, he's only owned in 67% of leagues right now. And uh, yeah, it's been rising. It, it, the previous week was only 30. So yeah, uh, teams are desperate. They, they go to that old uh, veteran that they can trust. Is he still someone that you can trust there, Sean? Uh, well, the max EV is up slightly and Wilson Ramos has always been a guy that could hit, uh, in 2020 was probably his worst hitting season in the last several years. But you look at the years before that in 2018, 2017, Wilson Ramos could hit. He's always been, I believe one of the most underrated offensive hitting catchers and especially in fantasy, because he always gave you a solid average and not just a solid average, but he gave you a little bit of power to go with it. And if you're in a points league, he didn't strike out all that much, which helps even more Uh, this year. uh, There was a time earlier in the season. I know we already are early in the season, but Wilson Ramos was like a hundredth percentile average EV max EV. He was just absolutely crushing the ball. Um, Still is. It's just uh, the batting average it has come down a little bit. It's down to 234. Strikeout rate's a little bit up. But, uh, yeah, if you need an, a catcher, if, like, you're stuck with whoever the 10th best catcher is, I, Wilson Ramos is probably better than that right now. All right. Yeah, uh, at least a steady option for now, and then we'll figure it out later kind of deal here. Uh, our guy, Emmanuel Classe, he's now... <laughs> Uh, so much for uh, James Marinchek uh, getting the save opportunities. And it looks like Emmanuel Classe kind of uh, has usurped that throne from him, so to speak. He yep. went from 37% to 67%. Um, is the Cleveland's closing situation finally figured out there, Sean? Uh, slightly. Uh, he <laughs> did just have a blown save. I yes. believe it was yesterday against mm-hmm. Cleveland. Um, no, he, he's with Cleveland. He's with Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Well, against Cincinnati. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, and okay. um, uh, Karen check picked up a save earlier in the week, but it does still appear that Klasse is the go to guy. But I could still see Karen check getting anywhere from 10 to 15 saves this year, just based on maybe they bring Klasse in earlier. Uh, maybe they bring Klasse in with men on base, but it does look like it is Colossus' job to lose. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me as well. I mean, it's hard to uh, not use a guy with a 100-mile-per-hour cutter in that oh, it, situation. It's like the stupidest pitch in the world. I mean, yeah. it, it makes no sense. <laughs> like, like, we talk about Jacob DeGrom's fastball and, like, Corbin Burns' new cutter, and they're like, oh, Jacob DeGrom's hitting 101. He's throwing a 95 slider. Corbin Burns is throwing a 97-mile-an-hour cutter, and it's like, Emmanuel Klaus is just like, here, hold my beer. and just goes out there and throws 100-mile-an-hour cutters like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here's another guy. Speaking of starting pitchers, uh, Joe Ross went from 18% to 47%. He's scheduled to for two starts next week. Uh, and, oh, well, he's already been picked up in my league, so now i got to look for him. But, uh, Joe Ross, I know you're not very uh, excited for this one, but you got to admit that, the two start is an intriguing thing. And here are his two starts. 
Jack Flaherty on Monday, and then in New York against Taiwan Walker. So no, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want Joe Ross in any of those games. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't care that he's 27. I don't care that he's actually having a good year. His last three seasons, he had a five-plus ERA in three straight years. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, no, I have I want no part of Joe Ross. If Tyson Ross was still a thing, if he still had an arm attached to his shoulder, I'd probably pick Tyson Ross over Joe Ross. But I think Tyson Ross is done. So No, he's been done. I had so much. Oh, man, I had so much high hopes for uh, Tyson Ross. And, yeah, it's a shame what happened to him. So, okay, that's a definite no on Joe Ross. All right, we're going to skip Eduardo Escobar because we're only wanting I mean, to know. For, for right now, oh, his sinker is actually one of the better performing ones. Right uh, yeah, for uh, Joe Ross, 249 expected batting average with an actual batting average of 133. Uh, are they hitting it right into the ground? They're not even hitting it really right into the ground. Um, <laughs> so maybe a little bit of luck there. Yeah. Uh, the slider, I, I just, I want no, it's so boring. And I don't well, trust it. <laughs> well, it's those two starts, man. They don't care who it comes. And it's a, it's a name that people recognize. Oh, it's Tyson Ross's little brother. Let's go pick him up. And he plays for the Nationals, who won the World Series two years ago. And people assume it's going to be the same thing from, and from before. And it really, no, it's like you mentioned, he's already 27 years old, which I like to mention all the time. 27 is a new 30 years old. So, yeah. no. Uh, but, you know, he has two starts. So quantity and some case, in some cases beats out the quality aspect of it. So that's, I think that's why people are chasing. But, uh, yeah, this might be a one-and-done thing, even for those owners who picked them up last week, uh, this past week, I should say. Uh, like I said, we're going to skip Eduardo Escobar. We move on to Yimi Garcia. Going Now it looks like we spoke, we spoke about Class A. Um, now uh, the Cleveland situation being figured out, it looks like the Marlins situation is finally being figured out. Is that how you see it there, Sean? Yes, and while his – you know, savant sliders and all a lot of that stuff don't paint a pretty picture. The underlying skill set has not changed. He's throwing fastballs. He's throwing a lot of them. He's throwing it up in the zone and he's being effective. And it might not be pretty right now, but he is effective and he has that closers job. And I absolutely love it. I mean, I, it, it, I've only been waiting for two years. So, you know, yeah, same, same. Uh, but it looks like he's finally getting it, so hopefully it stays that way. Uh, more closer situations. Uh, so we so we talked a lot about the closer. So it's basically what we're doing here today, Sean, is going to be an update from our conversation from last week. Uh, Lou Trevino also showing up, going from 20% to 46%. Uh, how's the Oakland A situation looking right now for you? I, I think Trevino is the guy to lose it, but there's also several other options. Jake Diekman, uh, J.B. Wendelkin, Sergio Romo. And we know Oakland, they'll use all the pieces that they need. So uh, uh, Trevino is really kind of like, he's Blake Trinan. I mean, he has that hard sinker. He doesn't really miss a lot of bats, doesn't strike a lot of guys out. Um, But if he has anything like the, uh, his 2018 season, when he first came up Trevino, uh, where he had 82 strikeouts and 74 innings, uh, that would be huge. Right. And if he gets that volume with that type of effectiveness, he's probably one of the best relief pitchers uh, in fantasy. All right. Yeah, I've always liked Luke Trevino. Uh, just how do you fit him into a fantasy league? I know in our league, in our baseball life league, we can kind of get away with picking up a Luke Trevino because he'll at least um, contribute in other ways besides saves. Uh, but in a points league or in a traditional 5x5, five five, it's a tough sell, but someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Danny Duffy is the next guy here. Uh, he's been moving up the um, 
the leaderboard here on the waiver wire. Um, <laughs> I know I always make fun of you because you 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 champion Danny Duffy. Uh, I believe though, it's less championing and more. We know what he is. We know he's not great, but he can still kind of help you. Yeah, and he has two starts. I think I think the reason we talked about him last week was because he had two starts last week, and I guess uh, some games got moved around and got canceled or delayed or whatever. But now this week, supposedly, he's he has to get two starts, right? So Monday, he'll get the Tampa Bay Rays and Ryan Yarbrough. And then on Sunday, he gets Michael Fulmer and the Detroit Tigers. So uh, do you like those could matchups? Be a, could be a yeah. risky matchup. Tampa's done pretty well against left-handed pitchers so far. And the Tigers, is it in Detroit? Yeah, it's in Detroit. Uh, yeah, that's tough. Um, well, it's not tough, but it's a good thing for him. But it's a tough choice because Tampa has done so well against lefties. Um, I'd probably still start him. All right. Uh, Kendall Grave, man. Uh, I don't know why. That's a, that's a head scratcher for me. I've not been paying attention to the Kendall Grave. Well, I, I will give an absolute shout out here to uh, Mikey over from Pitcherless, Michael Ahedo. Yeah. Um, he has been on this since spring training. Uh, everyone was like, Oh, draft Rafael Montero for your Mariner saves. Good draft mom. And he said, draft Kendall Graveman. Oh, and here we are. Kendall Graveman is getting the saves. He is the guy <laughs> that when they have a lead, he's the one warming up in the ninth. Montero is the one facing him in the eighth. So, uh, yeah, interesting development. Uh, like we said, we probably don't anticipate whoever the closer is for the Mariners this year to be the closer for the Mariners at the end of the year or, or next year, uh, because they have a lot of those pieces coming up. Uh, Andres Munoz, uh, if you're in a dynasty league and as he's available somehow, uh, he's the guy I would be all over for uh, Mariner saves. Yeah. I think you mentioned that before as well. So uh, at least you're consistent uh, unlike the Mariners who are just uh, driving owners crazy here, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, not a fan of Kendall Graveman, but if he's getting the saves, you might as well get him and pick him up and, Use them until uh, the tires fall off there. Philip Evans, we mentioned him before. Uh, his stock is uh, continuing to go up, uh, going from 12% to 35%. Um, is this is this a real thing? Is this uh, the Philip Evans uh, movement going on in Pittsburgh? I mean, it's been going on for two years now. And this is a guy who has always, not always, but ever since he hit the high minors with the Mets in 2016, uh, he just hit the ball. And they actually mentioned him in the Mets broadcast the other day that when he came up for his first cup of coffee in 2017, he just had this knack for hitting Uh, much like Jeff McNeil and TJ Rivera before him, these guys that came up and they just knew how to put bat on ball. And the, the funny thing about this is last year, Philip Evans did great for Pittsburgh uh, in their first 11 games before he had a collision and broke his draw. Uh, he was batting 359, had a, uh, a 409 Woba, was just doing awesome. And then he breaks his draw. Cabrian Hayes comes up, and that's the last we ever hear of Philip Evans. Yeah. But now Cabrian, now it's like the reverse situation has happened. Cabrian Hayes gets hurt. Philip Evans comes up, and he's just looking at his baseball smart. He knows how to hit. Uh, and he's actually didn't, uh, done pretty well fielding. He's in the 93rd percentile of outs above average. So kudos to him. Yeah. Uh, that's a guy I, I have added last week in a lot of my fab runs, uh, especially if it's a batting average league, this even in an on base league, he's a good professional hitter uh, that 
max and average exit velos are up. So maybe there is a little bit more power there than we ever expected. But yeah, I'm 100% sold on Philip Evans. I have been for a long time since he was in double A. I, I, I just thought he, was, he could hit and he can. Uh, next guy up, Cedric Mullins, who barely, barely makes our uh, review here as he is owning 69% of leagues. Nice. Uh, up from 47. <laughs> so remember, the cutoff is 70%. I don't want to know about you if you're above 70%. Uh, 69 meets the cutoff. Uh, Cedric Mullins has always been a guy that um, had some potential uh, with the Orioles because the Orioles you know, don't have anybody else. Well, actually, they do. They, just when you think the Orioles don't have anybody, they always you know, bring up somebody else right and in this case it was austin hayes but austin hayes kept getting injured and then for a while there was a i think there was a dj stewart sighting and Uh, dj stewart's been in the corner spots yeah yeah so so now mullins it looks like he might be getting regular playing time and without any uh conflict there is is that the reality of what the situation in baltimore is now he's a guy that i'm i i didn't go out and add in any of my leagues I know a lot of people ask me if they should add him and he's just off to such a good start that it's hard to tell them, no, don't play him. But a lot of this, I think a lot of the numbers are slightly inflated from that third game of the year where he went five for five, um, had three doubles. Uh, Since then, he's only had one, two, I think only three or four extra base hits. Uh, The strikeout rate is up. The uh, uh, what was it? the strikeout? The whiffs are actually down, which was weird. Uh, line drives are up, so that could explain a slightly higher batting average. I just I don't trust the hit tool. Yeah, but if he's getting full time plate appearances and he plays for Baltimore, then he's a probably a guy I keep on my bench. Oh, and okay. just as like injury depth, I, I just he's uh, I I don't trust him. I don't trust him enough to start him. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, we've been burned by him before. Um, but uh, it looks seemingly it looks like he finally has things figured out. So we'll see if that actually. Yeah, the, the player similarity from Baseball Savant, uh, a 2018 Colton Wong, a 2018 Elvis Andrus, a 2018 Alcides Escobar, Oof. and a 2018 Victor Caratini, and a 2018 pre-breakout Cattell Marte. Mm-hmm. It's a weird list of players. Uh, if he's like any of those first four, then yeah, I don't want him. But if he's pre breakout Cattell Marte and then he breaks out like Cattell Marte, uh, yeah, I'd be interested. <laughs> All right, so keep an eye on him, continue to keep an eye on him. But yeah, time's running out. It's, uh, it looks like his ownership rate continues to rise up. Uh, Luke Weaver. So, there, speaking of guys we've been burnt by before, <laughs> Luke Weaver, every time we think we're out of the Luke Weaver bandwagon, he brings us right back in. <laughs> so, um, he's been looking fairly decent this year. Right? Yeah, Maybe. velocity's been up, if I yeah. remember correctly. He's been hitting like 95. He's, yeah, averaging 93.4, so averaging almost 94. Uh, the cutter is really good again after being really bad in 2020. But he's... Uh, uh, like you said, every time I want to say I'm out on him, he yeah, just pulls me right back in. Yeah, that's that, that's this one to do. But uh, it looks like he's safe for now and just have a short leash on him. But it's really hard to argue. Uh, 21.2 strikeout rate, which is nothing to brag about, but it's the 1.5 walk rate uh, that really has us uh, kind of exciting because, uh, you know, in a points league, he's not losing points. 
and uh, he keeps your whip intact. I mean, he's at 0.84 for the season so far. It is 21. Yep, I got the right numbers here. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned velocity at 93.4. Uh, and but the exit velocity is where the concern is at. Yeah, he, he's getting sp- he's getting smacked around. <laughs> Yeah, 11.5 swinging strike rates, so you always want those in the double digits, uh, although that's kind of on the low end compared to some of the other uh, pitchers who are might be available. Uh, and 34% outside the swing percentage, uh, outside the strike zone swing percentage, so he's inducing swings. He's inducing yeah. swings. So and- I, I mentioned that his cutter was good again. Uh, he's almost completely ditched it. He's only thrown it 3% of the time, which okay. has made him purely a fastball changeup pitcher. Uh, and if we're looking at this, uh, tell me if you've heard it before. Okay. Right-hander doesn't walk batters. Fastball changeup does has no discernible third pitch, um, and gives up a lot of hard contact. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a discounted Chris Paddock, no? <laughs> I mean, like you, you probably drafted Chris Paddock like what right outside the top one hundred, around the top one fifty. Luke Weaver, you probably could have gotten like outside the top two hundred, and, and, and you get the same thing. And he has a tough matchup coming in this week on Friday against the Atlanta Braves. I, I forgot that we already mentioned this, but Luke Weaver, Luke Weaver will be facing the Braves at Atlanta against Huascar Yanoa. So something has to give uh, as we have two pitchers who are kind of on the, on the crossroads. Uh, so we'll see. That should be an interesting one regardless. But uh, we'll. See. that's a tough matchup, though, uh, if the Braves are actually hitting that night. So, I mean, really the only Brave hitting right now is Ronald Acuna. <laughs> No, that's what I meant. I, I mean, Azuna is not doing anything. Freeman is not doing anything. Albies is hurt. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it, it's there's only one team above 500 in the National League East, and it's not the Braves. So, <laughs> yeah, so much for that prediction. Uh, yeah, they're actually in dead last, but uh, there's also been a lot of canceled games. Um, so yeah, for the Mets, <laughs> for the Mets, and that's why they're they're in first place. Yeah, first place. Yeah. Six and four in the last 10 games because that's been their last 10 games, just those six and four uh, games there. Anyway, uh, Anthony Desclafani. So you know how I like my Giants pitchers and stuff. So uh, going from 16% to 37%. Um, did, have you turned around on Anthony Desclafani now, Sean? Not really. I mean, he, I, I've always liked the upside yeah. with Desclafani going back to his days. In Cincinnati, I just I feel like he's one of those guys who never figures out how to put it together. And he's already 31, which makes me like feel really old. Well, well, hold on now. I mean, you know, we mentioned before the sometimes older pitchers figure things out and are able to do things to prolong their careers and make them. I mean, we saw who the top 10 is uh, of starting pitchers and drafts, and they're all over 31 years old. So maybe this Clefani has turned the corner. And you know what's the best part about him, Sean? He plays for the Giants. So those home games are going to be juicy, right? At least that's, I mean, look at this. Look at this, man. Okay, so in the last time he was at home, he pitched at home. He was in Colorado, right? Six innings pitched, only one walk given up, eight strikeouts, scattered six hits. And and in my points, so he got 26 and a half points, and that's at home. That, those are the matchups you dream about. You, If you're in a daily league and you see Anthony Discofani at home against a weak team like Colorado who can't do anything outside of Colorado, you dream about those streaming matchups, right? Yeah, you got to go for it. Uh, the next game is against the Phillies in um, in Philadelphia against Chase Anderson, and he sucks. So whatever. <laughs> uh, Johnny Cueto's moved up, but all of a sudden he's on the IL with uh, lat lateral oh. collateral, whatever it is called. <laughs> His lateral of- collateral got hurt. Yep, that sounds about right. Too many yeah. shimmies. 
You did too, too many, many shimmies on the mound. Shimmies, yeah. Not Shimmy enough, too hard. Not, not enough crunches to uh, be able to pull it off. <laughs> Alex Cobb, my favorite uh, batting practice hitter. Alex Cobb, uh, pitcher. Alex Cobb <laughs> uh, with the Giants. I'm sorry. The, uh, the Angels. Angels. Yeah, different type of Titan there. So the uh, Angels there. Uh, what have you seen out of Alex Cobb uh, so far this year? Uh, he's throwing his best pitch the most, which is mm. something that when Dylan Bundy went from uh, wherever he was, Baltimore to the Angels, uh, the, he went primarily slider and he started pitching guys backward. And he started using that curveball early in counts instead of late in counts. And he just used his middling fastball to really sneak by guys. So for Alex Cobb, uh, he's got probably so far in this early season, the best splitter in baseball, a uh, hundredth percentile in chase rate. Uh, he's getting just absolutely crazy amounts of swings and misses. And really he's not getting the deepest vertical movement. Uh, it's dropping 31 inches, which is slightly above average for splitters. It's just, I think he's locating it very well down in the zone. And he, I mean, looking at his heat map, it's almost all right underneath the zone. So he's keeping it out of the zone, but definitely starting it in the zones where these batters are swinging. And by the time the ball gets there, they have no chance. Uh, has a whiff rate of almost 50% on that splitter. Uh, he's throwing a curveball about 20% of the time, has a 35% whiff rate on that. Uh, his sinker has gotten crushed. So he's throwing it a third of the time, but you know, you got to throw your fastball at least some. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really, he's got a great splitter and he's throwing that more than he's ever thrown it before. And he's getting good results. Yeah. Very good results. Uh, you know, the last start was against the Royals with cheese. I mean, it is the Royals, but the Royals are off to a good start. So maybe there's something to it. And the angels are also off to a great start as well. But the last start was 10 strikeouts, one walk, four scattered hits. He did give up three earned runs, but he got the win, which is all that matters uh, in fantasy. 23 big points in uh, in my league. And he is scheduled for two starts. One against the Rangers on Monday, Kohei Arakara. Oh, that, that's going to be a great matchup. <laughs> but then he has to go to Houston against Lance McCullers. Well, it depends. Is it the Houston A team or the Houston B team? Because the, the Houston B team got swept by Detroit. Probably the C team at this point with all their <laughs> injuries the and the C COVID team. protocols. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing about the Angels is uh, you never know when they'll change their mind because they do have a six-man rotation. So that's why Alex Cobb only has two starts, even though a lot of these pitchers already have three starts in, under their belts so far. So that's going to be something frustrating. But if he's going to get two starts, might as well take advantage um, and hope that he actually gets the two starts and not just the one. But that one start against the Rangers should be enticing enough for you. Yeah, I, I, I would start him no matter what with that start against the Rangers. I mean, uh, the Rangers and the Pirates, and aside from their breakout yesterday or two days ago, uh, the Cubs, I like in DFS, yeah. I'm streaming whoever is pitching against those teams. Yeah, uh, that's the, yeah, it seems to be the smart thing to do. Uh, next up is the second baseman. We we were talking about before the uh, before we actually got on the air. But uh, as you know, I drafted Nick Magical in my points league, and after weeks of just like slappy like numbers of ten points or below, I I said enough's enough. I need to get a more explosive second baseman, and I got the Jazz Jazz Chisholm from the Miami. You, you didn't have anybody worse to drop. No, no. I, no? I mean, I mean, shoot, I'm. How many bench spots do you guys have? 
not a lot. I mean, uh -oh. it's only uh, we start nine hitters, we start seven pitchers, and that leaves us with six bench spots. So 22 on the roster. On my IL, uh, I just got Trent Grisham back, and then I had to bring. Uh, it's been a carousel. So I, I, Grisham comes back. So I put Gallon there. Then Gallon comes back, but now Jordan Alvarez is in there because of COVID. Yeah. So I'm running out of space. So I had to. And then you always want to have more pitchers than 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 hitters, just because it's a points league, which is really annoying. But whatever. Um, but Magical was the weakest link, unfortunately, and I wasn't gonna drop Eugenio Suarez because now he's yeah. my DH. So yeah, God, no, uh, no, I, it, it's um, I, I, that's that wasn't the plan. My plan was to keep uh, Magical for the long term and kind of uh, have Ketel Marte. Oh, that's the other guy I have. Ketel Marte is hurt, so that's the reason why I had to make a decision at second base because the plan was to get Mar Marte, you know, get, get me the points and. Uh, assure me that uh, steadiness and while Magical kind of figures things out in the big league level and starts getting that pop that I need so he could be relevant in points leagues and I inserted him into my second base spot because Marte got hurt and he has not done anything about it but Jess Chisholm has <laughs> uh, you know he's uh, he's a very uh, as we mentioned before the break or before we started I should say uh, very uh, swing happy hitter uh, and it looks like it's a lot of based on luck but he does seem to have a bit more pop in his bat than Nick Madrigal, and he still has some upside, probably as equal as Madrigal, according to Fangraphs, from what I remember. So I pull the trigger and see what the opposite side of the spectrum. So a, a swing-happy hitter, as opposed to a patient hitter like Nick Madrigal can do for me in this uh, points league. So Hey, I wouldn't say Nick Madrigal's patient. He just doesn't miss when he swings, almost probably to a detriment. Yeah, uh, that's the, I mean, that's an empty calorie contact you know that's that's what i've been telling you this whole time and it's hey, i mean it, listen you in a category teach his concept you can't teach his hit tool you can't yeah. no you, you can't. can develop extra base hits and power out of it you can develop that you can't develop that type of hit tool all right so i was wrong about jazz chisholm he's actually been pretty patient uh 22.7 percent outside the zone strike so uh outside the strike zone swing percentage and only a 9.8 swinging strike percentage, which it's the opposite with hitters. You want those to be below double digits, those swinging strike rates. Uh, contact rate, that's where the problem is. It's 72.9%, which uh, I would predict that Nick Madrigal is closer to 85, 90%. Oh, so when I looked at the, uh, for some reason in the last day or two, I looked up the uh, in-zone contact percentages and like one and two were... Nick Madrigal is two, and Jake Cronenworth was one, and he had like a 100% inside the zone swinging or contact percentage. So if he swung at a pitch in the zone, he made contact 100% of the time. And then, of course, he went out there and he shut down the Dodgers next innings two <laughs> nights ago. That was fun. So that's why I'm pulling the trigger. I mean, anything else you want to add about Jazz or, or want to do the difference between uh, Nick Madrigal and uh, Jazz Chisholm here? Or Well, Jazz Chisholm was the guy who... Uh, told the story probably once or twice over the last couple of years, but he was in double a and a scout from the Miami Marlins came to watch the Rays double a team, the biscuits play the Arizona diamondbacks, double a team, the Jackson generals. Yeah. And the was talking to the scout and I was like, Oh, who you work for? He said, Oh, Miami. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, like you have an assignment. Are you here for a certain player? And he said, yeah. And he pointed to jazz Chisholm was doing some pregame uh, infield drills and he's a hell of a defender. If it, his bat just absolutely falls apart, he could stick in the majors on his defense alone. He's that good. Uh, as long as he doesn't go too crazy, because he can, he does have a tendency to do wild things, both at the plate and in the field that could screw him up. 
But at the time, he was batting under 200 uh, in double A for the Jackson Generals while he was with Arizona. Uh, we were laughing at him in the press box. And um, right as we laughed at his 184 batting average or whatever it was, he just hit this absolute missile to left center. Um, it had an exit velo of like 110. And we're like, oh, that's why he's a top prospect. And after the trade, which the scout basically told me Miami was trading for him and it went right over my head, uh, he finished the 2019 season in the minors with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, which great name. Uh, <laughs> he batted 284, 383 with a 494 slugging. The strikeouts were still a little high, but he started showing that all-around package that we really think Jazz Chisholm can become this elite player. And that's what he told me is we just – he said, I'm going to get Jeter in his ear. I want Jeter to tell him, just play within yourself. You have all the physical tools you could ever want. Just don't do too much. And that's what it's looked like he's doing right now. He's just going out there. He's hitting. Uh, he's playing second base, even though he's a, probably a better defensive shortstop than Miggy Rojas. But um, it's all right. Double eligibility for me. That's fine. Yeah, double eligibility. There you go. Uh, so I, I, out of curiosity, I pulled up the numbers uh, comparing uh, Jazz to Nick uh, Magical. Um, and it's, oh, he's laughing. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but I, but you know, I, I, I have my own custom list at Fangraphs. So I was looking like, wow, this is a lot closer than I thought. And I look at the numbers; it's from 2020. So even when Jazz was pretty bad, he was uh, last year. He was still kind of matching with Magical uh, in other aspects of the game but in 2021 like you mentioned it's it's a laugher at this point uh so madrigal is not the patient guy i thought he was in terms of uh, i mean he's patient but not as patient as jazz chisholm this year so i mentioned well, 20 jazz has always drawn a good bit of walks but he's also developed this you know it was almost an issue in the minors where uh he has such he does have a good eye he would yeah. not swing at bad pitches he would work deep counts but his swing and his approach didn't lend itself to working deep counts. Almost kind of how the situation, Brandon Nimmo, Kevin Biggio, and there's a couple other herders that come to mind. Yeah, but, yeah, but they, they don't have guys. these swings to get into deep two-strike counts. And then once they get into these two-strike counts, they strike out a lot because yeah. they don't have the swing to you know prolong at-bats, but they have the eyes to have these long at-bats. Uh, Jazz is kind of in that boat right now. Um, as long as he can keep the contact levels around major league average, his power and speed will play. Yeah, and I'm talking 100. And I was just pointing out last year it was nowhere to be found, but this year it's a completely different ball game. It's 18.8 percent walk rate versus a 25 percent strikeout rate, which is pretty high. But he's it's going almost one for one with the walks. Uh, and then you look at Slappy over here, Nick Madrigal, and it's like, yeah, he walks a lot more than he strikes out, but it's like a very minute number. 6.3 walk rate versus a 2.1 strikeout rate, which is like, is this 1921 or 2021? <laughs> what, what is this? Uh, the is way higher for Jazz than it is for Nick Madrigal. Yeah, so he, he's got a 391 BABIP, so a little bit of expect a there. little regression. Right now, his, expect, his, <laughs> his expected batting average is 273, which if he can float a 273 XBA, He's Nick gonna Madrigal. be. He, he's gonna no. Well, Nick Madrigal is gonna post like a three hundred XBA. All right. Well, I'm but, waiting. I'm waiting for <laughs> Nick Madrigal to do so. He's right now. I mean, he posted like a three thirty uh, XBA last year. But oh, okay. anyway, oh, with Jazz, it, you see a lot of 
at his stops in the minors, 27 strikeout percentage or 27%, 31.2, 28 and 33.8 when he was really struggling with the uh, Jackson Generals. Uh, and then when he went to Miami after the trade, the walk rate stayed the same. He cut the strikeouts back down to 25%, and that's where he had success. Ironically, in that early 2019, when he was still in the Arizona AA system, uh, he was a 204, 305, 427 hitter. Not good. Um, but for the double A, that was actually 12% over league average. <laughs> yeah. And this is why, I mean, this is why I said that he's a little bit more impatient than Nick Madrigal. But then you look at the numbers here and it's like 22.7% outside the zone strength, uh, swing percentage for Jazz. And then Nick Madrigal is at 26.7. So they're both patient hitters. Uh, but for some reason, Jazz this year has been a little bit more slightly patient than Nick Magical. And the other thing, I mean, the reason why you mentioned that Magical is not that patient is because uh, actually, unlike Jazz Chisholm, Nick Magical sees more pitches inside the strike, well, a lot more pitches inside the strike zone than Jazz Chisholm does. Uh, it's a 48.6% versus for Nick Magical versus 38.7% for Jazz. So a 10% difference on Magical's way. So, that, I mean, that might be explaining why the contact rate is so ridiculously high for Nick Magical at 98.6%. Hell, even outside the outside the strike zone, Nick Magical this year is having a ninety five point eight percent. It's it's insane contact rate. It's insane. No, I mean we know what we were getting with Nick Magical. Unfortunately, it doesn't. It has not led up to anything. Just a lot of weak hitted balls. It, to this day in Major League Baseball, since he's been called up for the by the White Sox, he has zero barrels uh, accounted for his name going back to 2020 and it's the same story in 2021 zero he has as many barrels as i have sean flannery so that's a problem a 14.3 hard hit rate versus jazz chisholm who's at 53.8 percent is what we talked about yeah contact rate's good he might get a batting rate but it's empty calories jazz uh chisholm yeah patient almost to a fault strikes out way too much but he's he's a little bit more explosive at this point and I for got, sure I to, and I, I i don't doubt you for or blame you for switching there yeah. Um, especially in your format, in a points league format, where Nick Madrigal is slightly less um, valuable. Uh, yeah. The one thing, it's a shame. Uh, it's a damn the, shame the last little bit on Jazz, uh, his swinging strike percentage through the years, 16.9, 17 16.0, 14.7, 15.7, 16.5, and then he gets to the majors last year, 9.5, and this year, 9.8. Where do we expect that to end up? I mean, because it seems like a consistent 15 to 17% every stop in the minors. And then he gets to the majors and it drops 6%. Like, that just seems insane. Like, I, that's, that's where I expect the most regression from him is the contact and the swinging strikes will go back up. And he turns into R- Rugnan Adora speed. Not, I, I don't know. It's it's a scary hey, thought. Like it, door, the man. floor for Jazz Chisholm just seems very low. That that's my worry with Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, but that's part of the that's part of the price, though, right? I mean, you're paying for that high risk because it's a better, much better ceiling than Nick Magical at this point. But you're right. It, oh, it you, is, you know me though. Fluctuates. I'm a sucker for high floors. I hate. I I will whiff on the high ceiling guys in favor of the high floor guys. So maybe that's yeah. why I like Magical over Jazz. Well, it's, uh, if Magical would have been at that decent floor, I, I he'd probably still be on my team. But I, I, like I said, or like you mentioned too, in this format, I had to do it. It just those uh, single digit points are not going to get me any victories anytime soon. So, a uh, couple, a few questions out there from the folks. Uh, uh, 
Brad, uh, who's a regular contributor to the Baseball Life Facebook group, uh, that's where we're going live this morning, uh, is right on cue asking about Jazz Chisholm. So I hope we answer your question. Uh, he's all right. So basically what Jazz Chisholm... <laughs> he's I. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're basically he's fun to, to watch. He's fun to watch. Absolutely, yeah, but that electric blue hair. Oh, it's so much. <laughs> he hit a home run. His last home run, I believe, yesterday or the day before, was an absolute missile line drive, and it almost didn't look like it was. It looked like it was going to bounce off the wall, and it was such a line drive. It didn't hit the top of the wall and just like bounce up. It skipped off the top of the wall. It was like the coolest thing. And he's like sprinting around the bases and he does his little Euro step as he comes back. To oh cross yeah. Home plate. I saw that. that was oh a, yeah. That, that's his thing. That's his thing. That's now. awesome. I'm, I'm expecting that. him to get hit by a pitcher for doing it sooner or later, but Hey, it's cool. Yeah. Well, that's just going to put a lot of fire on his ass. Just like it lit uh, a fire under Tim Ederson's ass. It just yeah. went on to have great seasons with, despite the fact that we don't, we're not fans of that approach to, at the plate. Uh, Tim Ederson, a little bit uh, swing happy. Uh, although I'm still surprised that Jazz isn't that uh, aggressive, but he does strike out a lot. But that's the thing. You got to know what you're expecting when you pick up a guy like Jazz Chisholm and 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 stick with a guy like Nick Madrigal. I mean, I expect Jazz to fall from the face of the earth a little bit here, but it's still a little it's still more explosive than what Nick Madrigal was giving me. And that's the point. But then at the same time, I'm kind of sad that Nick Madrigal had to leave my team because he still has upside. I mean, he's still uh can hit his way on base and do some damage in the base pass but if he's not gonna do anything with that bat in terms of barrels and hard hit rates what's the point anyway moving on uh will dane dunning lead the major league baseball in, in era there sean it's funny because he plays in a very pitcher friendly park so uh-huh. far through three starts his era is a uh, 0.60 uh granted <laughs> those starts have cut co- yeah, some good teams. Toronto's a very good offensive team this year. Yeah. Uh, Tampa has been probably better offensively than they have defense or pitching wise. And then his last start came against Baltimore, which we all know everything that we need to know about Baltimore, especially since it was Baltimore away from Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's one of those guys that just looks like he knows how to pitch. Uh, looking at the pitch heat maps, keeping the sinker low, the slider even lower, the changeup low, bottoming out the zone. Uh, the sinker is doing well because he is keeping it low. 158 batting average against only a 235 XBA. I don't think Dane Dunning's ever going to be this ace, yeah. but he could maybe have one year of, you know, where he just goes, you know, crazy. Uh, maybe he's the right-handed Dallas Keuchel. That's more fun to watch. I don't, I don't know, Dane, but uh, Dane, <laughs> maybe he watch. could. I, I, I think it's uh, if this were uh, Mythbusters, I would definitely say plausible. This is a plausible. He could lead the league in ERA just based uh, on his home park and everything. I don't know about leading the league in ERA, but no, I mean, all I'm asking from Dane Dunning is five innings of, and just a bunch of quality starts. That's all I ask from him. I don't ask for too much for Dane Dunning. What if it turns out that Dane Dunning was the best pitcher in that uh, trade? In, in that trade, that'd be wild. With Adam Eaton and Lucas Giolito blows an arm off because he's been yeah. overused. And uh, Reynaldo Lopez can't stick in the majors despite having the most electric stuff in that trade. And Dane Dunning ends up having a 16-year career or some crap like that. That would <laughs> he, piss me off He so turns much. into Lance Lynn when Lance Lynn's already in the retirement oh, home. Shut <laughs> up. No, stop that. Uh, Chris is asking about the balls, the new baseballs uh, in play, and you already answered that question. Uh, traveling about 10 feet less in the air, but exit velocities are up. Okay. Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, max EVs are about uh, one and a half higher this year compared to last year. Uh, so you, you are seeing some guys having much higher exit velos than they did last year. The ball's bouncier. 
but for some reason it's not carrying as far so uh which is yeah. interesting and um, like i said I, what if they're using a rubber ball and that's why it's bouncier really but, <laughs> boing 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 but yeah yeah you ever play uh baseball or maybe even softball with your friends and you use a rubber ball and then just see that ball travel a million miles away <laughs> and then uh, we lose the ball and then we game would be over because that was our only ball we grew that up was our only ball uh jason dominguez he's asking chris same guy jason dominguez is he the next superstar outfielder and i mean uh, he just, hasn't he hasn't played a professional game yet I, i'm not gonna say anything about a guy who hasn't played a professional game yet yeah it's and that's just a, and that's a tough question to ask because uh we talked about some of those minor league baseball players some of those center fielders right especially like jerry kalenic and then we also talked about josh Lowe and uh, a bunch of others there's like a line forming and jason dominguez would be not all the way in the back because you got to love his tools and he's in the right organization um, i don't think he's going to be a center fielder though like if you look at these videos that get posted like once every yeah. month and a half or two uh <laughs> he is like built like a linebacker yeah, yeah. And I, he, he's not very tall i think he's only like 510 and that might be generous and so they, they have him listed as uh, 190 on like all of the websites. And that's, that's not a thing. He's at least 225 pounds. So he's, he's built like a tank. He's I, London, I don't he's think London he... Fletcher is what you're telling me. London, Fletcher. <laughs> basically uh, if only he could hit like David Fletcher, then maybe I'd be all over. Oh, him. <laughs> okay. So the one thing I don't know about Sean is that he's a Mets fan. So the, the bias is already coming out as soon as he mentioned David Fletcher. No, uh, but honestly, <laughs> you know who else looks like a linebacker playing center field right now, Sean? Who? Mike Trout, man. Every time I see yeah. him, like, he should be in the NFL right now. He, he really should. should. Be. He'd be he'd be a hell of a player. He'd be helping the Rams win that Super Bowl finally. But yeah, the the last article I'm seeing that was that Cashman indicated back at the beginning of March, the organi- organization was not yet ready to reveal a plan for De- Mingus's development through the minors. And like I get that he. I mean, right now he's got a 55 uh, future value hit tool, 60 in-game power, 70 raw power with 70 speed. You just don't see that. You don't. No, I know. I know. It's, and, uh, it's a tough sell. But you know what it is, Sean? It's like Yankee fans see this, and like if they see a switch hitting outfielder, and like, oh, man, that's Mickey Mantle right there. We got our Mickey Mantle, man. That's what they got. Tell me I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what they see there. Our, our, our fearless leader is coming in to tell us that he's built like Trout. He's four inches shorter than Trout and is probably already at Trout's weight. That's like, I'm London, telling you, it, it's... It, that's why I said London Fletcher. <laughs> I, I, I don't... Like, Jason Dominguez could be great. I mean, or he could just be the best cell phone video home run hitting guy we've ever seen. And then the oh second he God. faces professional pitching, he could be Kevin Maitan. Like, this is kind of the hype I remember com- coming from Kevin Maitan. Uh, when the, the Braves got him or the, yeah, the Braves got him. It was like, oh, he's so great. He's so great. And then he faces professional pitching and just melts. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. All right. Well, I, I, I can't help it, but think that this is just Sean being a, a, a Mets fan and hitting on the Yankees. So from an, uh, as close to an, un, <laughs> hold on now, hold on. From an, un, as close to an unbiased uh, guy right here in Felipe who roots for both the Cubs and the White Sox. I'm going to say that, Jason Dominguez is a guy you got to keep an eye on just because of all the hype. And if you're in a fantasy league, you're almost, uh, what's that word? Uh, if I was in a fantasy league, I would have already traded him because I've yeah, seen well, you would have some of you're... the trades I've seen him mentioned in are like insane. I've seen people yeah. trade Jason Dominguez and get back wonder Franco plus. <laughs> well, that's what, that was my point. If you, if, if you're in a fantasy league, you're obligated to 
have him on your roster right now, even if you don't have a minor league slot to protect him and you're obligated to have him because of all the hype that surrounds him and, and the high price and the Yankee premium. We mentioned this before. <laughs> Yankee premium is a real thing in fantasy baseball because there's so many Yankee fans out there and they're just as big as homers as any other fan base, no matter what they tell you, right? They're, they're just as big homers as any other fan base in Major League Baseball. And they, they all want to be on that ground floor of the next Mickey Mantle or in this instance, the next Mike Trout. Uh, by the way, uh, London Fletcher, when he was playing, was, he was 5'10", 245 pounds. So. Hey, uh, that, that's honestly what Jason Dominguez looks like right now, just purely based on cell phone video. <laughs> but as far He's as, uh, basically me, but instead of like 2% muscle, he's 200% muscle. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, that, that's basically me. <laughs> and then finally... <laughs> Okay, come on, man. The next thing you gotta. Uh, so he asked. He's obviously asking about real baseball, right? Not fantasy. So in real baseball, ask right. Uh, again, same issue. You got to keep an eye on him until uh, and see what materializes. When we we have the technology, we have the access to it. Not like before, where where some of these minor leaguers would just kind of disappear from the face of the earth, and you never hear from them ever again until some snarky sports writer would bring him up. But in this instance, <laughs> you, you kind of have to bring it up. Uh, you have to pay attention because, yeah, he could be the next thing. And, and as baseball fans, it's exciting to see the next great center fielder wherever that guy plays. Now, here's the thing now. He's only 18 years old. Sean, you of all people know this better than anybody, but I think me as a couple I mean, I, I fade this. high school bats in the draft. So uh, I'm already like very skeptical of the signings out of – you know, the Dominican that are like 16 years old, 15 years old. It's I mean, like not, e- not even from the Dominican. I mean, I shoot me. I, I grew up with being told that Josh Fitters was going to be a thing. <laughs> a lot of things can change in the next two or three seasons for this young kid. He's only 18 years old. Lots of things can change. He can either be the next Ken Griffey Jr. Or he could be the next. Uh, I don't know who's a bad center fielder. I don't know who's 5'10". Uh, um, McCracken, maybe. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> Dexter Fowler. Oh, switch, shut up. Switch hitter under six feet. Oh, I think actually. No, he's, over, he's a little bit six feet. Yeah, he's, he's like six tall. four. I, yeah. A six five. Jesus. I always thought he was small. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. He so was so we, fast, we, though. He had all those stolen bases early but in the, But the point is, the <laughs> point is that, uh, yeah, it, it, all ranges of results can come up out of this. So uh, give the kid a break. He's only a teenager. Like you mentioned, he hasn't even played a game yet. So let's see. Him in action. Yeah. Um, um, there. Once he starts playing there. games, I feel like I can make a more accurate assessment. But right now, all we have are these cell phone videos of him hitting baseballs. Like, that's it. And that's just so we saw you in assessment is do that before he came back from his injury <laughs> in 2020. And yeah, he looked awesome. And then we put him in a game and he looked like absolute shit. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. So Brad mentions about jazz going back to jazz Chisholm. It might as well rename this a jazz Chisholm show. <laughs> yeah, this episode. is really the jazz and Jason show. <laughs> but I noticed not you tell me if I'm wrong because you're a video game player. But he, uh, Brad uh, from Milwaukee, he he's in a strat league and he ended up with jazz on his on, on his team and he's a fast guy and and all this. But it seems like a you know I kind of uh, g- bumped into some random uh, MLB the show YouTubers. And they yeah. all have Jazz Chisholm on the team. Is that a thing to just go after Jazz Chisholm? In, uh, uh, I don't show? know if he has a anything higher than his base card right now. I've been playing it a lot the last couple of days. And yeah. once I get off the show, I'm going to go play it. But uh, play the show. I got you. Yeah. I'm not sure if he has like a, a future stars card or anything. Uh, I do know that Jason Dominguez has one. What about uh, last year? What about because this is around the time we, Jack, he he did have pandemic. a pandemic. Yeah, he had a future stars card last year that was really good. 
that explains it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was just wondering, like I said, the pandemic, I got a chance because of you, you kind of introduced me to baseball people playing video yeah. games online. So I, when I checked it out, a lot of these guys had Jazz Chisholm on their superstar team. So Jazz Chisholm would be on teams with like Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams. And yeah. like, what the hell? And then there's Jazz Chisholm. So um, let's see here. I wonder what those dugout conversations would sound like. Oh, boy. Yeah, they probably. Oh, yeah, yikes. It's, it, it, listen, it's oh, Jackie, it's I'm sorry. Jackie. I, should, I shouldn't have said that. Well, let's let's put it in perspective. It's Jackie Robinson weekend, and yeah. uh, you can go from there. Use your imagination there. Hey, us. maybe we could put Jazz and Jackie on the same team. Ja- and then if somebody <laughs> says anything to either of them, they just go apeshit on them and just like hit like 400. Yeah, and then Jackie would punch somebody in the face because <laughs> uh, he's fine. Yeah, the reins are off finally, right? Uh, jazz, uh, speaking of jazz, I, I found out this weekend or this past week that Jackie Robinson would uh, do a lot of jazz concerts for civil rights uh, uh, progress and movements and all that. Hmm. So so I did not. So it goes jazz, jazz music. It's all related. Jackie Robinson. Uh, yeah, we're just going to rename the show The Jazz Show. For this episode. The jazz is all about. <laughs> See, jazz is like the new Coke. It always tastes good forever. <laughs> uh, Travis Shaw is next on the list. Uh, as we kind of, uh, we're not going to get to all, all of these players, but uh, I'm just going by order there, Sean, unless uh, you see somebody. You know what? We uh, don't need to talk about Travis Shaw. You want to talk about somebody else? Uh, tra- basically, the only two that I want to talk about are Shaw and Fulmer. And initial thoughts on Shaw. Uh, Christian Yelich is now on the IL uh, Travis Shaw has already been uh, kind of taking a step up for that uh, Milwaukee lineup. He's going to have to take it up another step with Yelich out. Um, Fantastic. But that, that Milwaukee lineup is actually surprising some people. So uh, yeah. definitely pay attention to him. And then Michael Fulmer is back in the rotation. Um, he has just missed so much time over the years. But whenever he pitched, uh, you know, before the injuries, he was so good. I mean, velocity was high. Uh, he had first what the ACL and then he had Tommy John. I mean, it was an absolute brutal couple of years for him, but he's back in the rotation. He went up against the Astros B team and got like nothing but ground balls. It was insane. Uh, he's still only 28 years old and uh, 33 years old in modern terms, really. 33 in modern yeah. terms. Uh, the velocity, the velocity on the sinker was up over 95 again. After in 20, uh, 20, when he first came back from the injury, uh, the fastball was sitting 93. Now it's back up to 95 plus. Uh, he's throwing his slider. Um, so far this year, he's throwing the slider more than either of his sinker or fastball, and it's getting over a 34% whiff rate. Uh, Michael Fulmer, this is a guy who's a former first round pick or compensatory pick, I believe, but you know, close enough. Um, he's good. And mm-hmm. he pitches in Detroit. That's a pitcher's yeah. park. Yep. And I believe you said that he has a two-start week coming up. Oh, yeah. Thanks against, for reminding me. I got um, you. I got you, man. I got you. I, I, I got it. I got it up here. All right. Tyler Anderson. You know, I want to talk about Tyler Anderson because I'm seeing some oh, He's so boring. But, but it, he is pitching against Tyler Anderson in one of the starts. In Pittsburgh. And then Danny Duffy on Sunday. Uh, yeah, that's an absolute grab Michael Fulmer and start him for two starts this week and be happily surprised. If I'm wrong, come and give me all the hell next week. All right, let's talk. I want to talk about Tyler Anderson because he's a mixed bag of things, right? Like, like you said, he is boring, right? 
But there are some things that, you know, has a very high whip rate and a home run rate. That's not something to brag about, but he does have some intriguing stuff. Like uh, he is inducing a lot more swing outside the strike zone than I'm used to seeing. He has a 13.7 string swinging strike rate. Which, oh. Where was this this whole time, right? Like 13.7 swinging strike rate. Um, 90 mile per hour fastball, 86.2 exit velocity against, and only a 36.7% uh, hard hit rate, according to StatCast. What's going on with Tyler Anderson here? I'm always so confused because I always think Tyler Anderson and Tyler Chatwood are the same person. No, it's Tyler Anderson. They're both and, lefties, um, right? No, no, no. Chatwood's right-handed. Oh, uh, Chatwood's right-handed? But they're both from the Rockies. I think, and they I'm both sure. usually have really high uh, walk rates, right? Yeah, because no. they play for the Rockies. Uh, yeah. But not, not anymore. No, uh, so Anderson's they were both the on the right. That, that's what it was. Uh, no, yeah. It's left-hander. Oh, uh, Kyle Freeland. Tyler Anderson, Kyle Freeland. They're the same people. Kyle Freeland never saying. walked, guys, though. I always thought Chatwood yeah, was a lefty they, with control issues. They both, uh, they both suck. And they uh, the so he's throwing the cutter more, which seems to be a trend that we're seeing in baseball the last couple of years is a lot of these guys that don't have elite fastballs are throwing cutters and they're finding success with them. Uh, So that could be a good thing. Um, 217 batting average again so far on his cutter. Uh, He's gotten a little lucky, a 305 uh, XBA against it and almost a 100 point difference between his Woba against the cutter and his expected Woba. So he's not generating, none of his pitches have over a, uh, 27 and a half percent. No, that's his put away. He, his fastball has a 36% whiff rate and his changeup has a 31% whiff rate. So that's interesting because his fastball is he's throwing it inside to right-handed hitters. There's like this heat map and it's like all the red is just tight on the outside part of the plate. It's not elevated. It's waist high. Yeah. Uh, the changeup is way outside and high. You don't like to see high changeups really. Uh, if I have to pick a Pittsburgh pitcher, I'm probably taking Brubaker. Uh, I think he's the best one out of the whole clan. Uh, you're you're reading my mind. I wanted to talk about JT Brubaker because I I don't know what to make of him either. So let's go by let's go with the numbers really quick here. Twenty seven point three strikeout rate, and that's reason enough to go and get him, right? At least in my book. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh let's see. Anything that is a red flag. Uh, the swing outside the zone string uh, swing rate is not as high as Tyler Anderson. So there's a little bit of flukiness. He's elevating his fastball more. Uh, he's got a forty five point five percent whiff rate. On his mm-hmm. four seam fastball. That's interesting considering his fastball does not have very high spin rate. Yeah, and that's another concern. So it seems a little bit fluky. He only has a 10.5% swinging yeah. strike rate, which is 3% lower than Tyler Anderson. But I think you you planted this seed on our first show in the regular season. It might have been a Thursday show that we did. And you mentioned Chad Cool. I'm like, Chad Cool. And you mentioned some things. So I kind of kept that in mind. And then you're seeing that the Pirates, now we're all curious about these Pittsburgh Pirates. Is this a real thing? Is this a fluky thing? I don't know what to make of it, but it does look good on face value, so to speak. So that's why I'm kind of curious, like what's going on in Pittsburgh that some of these pitchers are, you know, maybe they're not as bad as we thought they were. I don't and know. It's, it's funny because if you pull up Chad Cool on Savant, uh, the players' similarities uh, the first two, get out. 2020 JT Brubaker, 2021 JT Brubaker. So <laughs> Pittsburgh's really going for something here. They, they I don't have know what something it is. that you know, I'm not sure it's good, but they're they have an idea, which 
is always how you should start something. And it all starts with an idea. <laughs> it all started much, with a chair to quote Juno. <laughs> and as much, oh Jesus, as <laughs> much as we give them a lot of flack about Joe Musgrove, let's not forget that Joe Musgrove kind of uh, turned it around late in the year last season and started posting. Yeah, because he numbers. said, screw what these guys are telling me to do. Yeah. He said, I'm going to throw my four seam and I'm going to throw my breaking stuff more than my fastballs because it's better. No, you know and- what it is, uh, Sean? You know what I think it is, Sean? I think everybody just started listen to, listening to Chad Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Cool. He said all the leader. cool things. <laughs> Clubhouse leader, Chad Cool. Uh, He's going to write the ship on that pirate uh, boat. I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen any fantasy names named after Cool. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because it's Chad Cool. He's not, unlike his name, he's not a very cool person. Um, how far on this list do you want to keep going? I mean, we mentioned JD Brewbreaker. Uh, I see Wade Miley, we talked about before. No. Duvall, no. Jake, <laughs> Unit, Jake McGee. Oh, no, not Jake McGee. Sorry. Uh, Corey Kniebel, uh Kniebel, everyone him. went and ran out. Uh, he was like uh, Julian Merriweather of the second or third fab period. Everyone was like, oh, Corey Kniebel has two saves for the Dodgers. And everybody went back and added him, and he doesn't have a safe sense. Meanwhile, right. Julian Merriweather, I spent a quarter of my fab on, and he hit the IL. <laughs> oh, so. so that's what it's about. You just want to try to, like, you know, kind of justify your Julian Merriweather thing yeah. from last week. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of the Blue Jays, Rafael Delis is up the, in percentage as well, 20%. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Dane Dunning. John Gray continues to get lit up despite the fact that there was some good things to see about him. Osprey, he had that one very good start this yeah, year. That's what I was and then say. two bad starts. Uh, Jurickson Profar, uh, I don't know. Chirpy with Clayton Kershaw yesterday. (laughs) No, they yelled at each other. He, uh, Clayton Kershaw got all mad that, uh, there was a catcher interference and Clayton Kershaw said that it wasn't a major league swing and that he could have hurt Austin Barnes. So of course, all Kershaw was mad about was, Hey, that's my personal catcher. You better not mess him up. (laughs) If Austin Barnes is hurt, does that mean that Will Smith finally gets all the playing time he can handle? Please, please. I'm going to need to figure out what jerks and Profar's Venmo is. I'll send some money. I'll donate to the cause. Donate to one of his charity cases. The jerks and Profar needs a new mansion uh, charity to get him (laughs) far and pro baseball uh jerks so is he gonna be playing every day now i know uh fernando tatis is back um but the padres they have so much depth i'm always afraid i know i picked them up in a in, a, in, in our league but i'm not sure how uh much i can trust them well, can we trust Jerks right now they have him starting as a platoon in left field uh with tommy fam being his platoon partner facing profar facing righties and fam facing lefties How's that for fam? He escaped Tampa Bay only to go back to Tampa Bay, uh, the, yeah. pa- uh, the, the Rays of the West. Remember but, what we said about the, the Padres? Oh, they're an analytics team, but they're not as bad as Tampa Bay. Well, it turns out that they are. Yeah, so. and so the last week, though, fam played uh, four of the six games, and Profar played in all of the last six games, but he went left field, second base, right field, left field, left field, first base. So Profar is just playing everywhere. Fam, they are playing him a lot, more than an average bench player. So it's not like the straight platoon. Uh, so that's no, interesting. It's, it's a race thing. You know, it's so you're in you're, if, when you look at the Padres, you're in race mode. Like, all right. Well, just because he's listed on the bench doesn't mean he's not playing. But it's when is he playing? Where is he playing? And same thing with Profar, which is great for eligibility purposes. But I think now that Tatis is back, I think we're going to start seeing Profar less and less. 
but I hope that's not the case because and, and they still got Kim on the uh, lurking around as well, and Jake Cronenworth. They got so many good players and not enough spots to put them in, and so that's going to be frustrating. Uh, moving down the list here, Casey Mize is reaching that seventy percent threshold very soon. Colin Moran, as they as want to do, is to appear very uh, early on these uh, uh, waiver wire pickups. Every April, Colin Moran's name always shows mm-hmm. up, and then by May, June, he's just uh, this kind of disappears. Another Pirates player, Adam Frazier, is in there, going from twenty one to thirty one percent. As people, I think you might have mentioned it, are, are getting desperate for second baseman, and so Frazier suddenly looks like a good player to pick up. Um, Matt, uh, that's a bad name. Uh, Chris Taylor, uh, I'm pretty sure that has something to do with Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Uh, is it Cody or Corey? Now I'm confused. Cody. Cody. Who's Corey Bellinger? There's the, there was a Clay Bellinger. His dad played for the Yankees. That's what it was. Okay. Thank you for that. Josh Fleming getting some love here from 16 to 25 percent. Um, is he getting regular starts there in Tampa? There, Josh Fleming. Uh, not regular starts. I think he's following openers mainly. Uh, okay. And that, that was another guy I got to watch a bunch in 2019. He's just like this really boring, crafty lefty, yeah. and I mean, he Tampa. He's a Tampa arm. I mean. <laughs> Uh, sec- he, he's going to be the Ryan Yarborough for when Ryan Yarborough becomes too expensive for the race. Yeah, when, when he gets traded w- to the Padres. Yeah, w- when Yarborough uh, requires, uh, when he wins his arbitration case for two point one million, and the race have to non-tender him because they can't afford it. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Avisa Garcia going from fourteen to twenty three percent, and that's probably because uh, Christian Yelich is an injury. Yep. So, do you do you like Avisa Garcia? Uh, a, not really. I've not always even... like the the tools have always been so good, but he's one of those I don't think the ability will ever catch up to the tools. Not even as a temporary fill in for Christian Yelich. I, I would hope I had somebody better on my bench already. No, well, I don't. So I don't have. Any <laughs> uh, so the other thing of Avisa Garcia when he was coming up from the Detroit Tigers is that. There were slight comparisons to Miguel Cabrera. He kind of yep. looked like him and uh, similar profile, like Miguel Cabrera light or diet Miguel Cabrera, which is a thing now, now that you see how big Miguel Cabrera got. And uh, he never uh, lived up to that those expectations, not with the White Sox, not with the... Uh... He had the, the one great crazy year, right, with the White Sox? Yeah, and then he, he mashed lefties. Yeah, and then he yeah. walked. Yeah, he had a 330, and then um, the good old days. Then he went back to two thirties. Uh, almost everything dropped a hundred points. Uh, two thirty six, two eighty one, four thirty eight the next year. So remember when I mentioned that I was looking for a second baseman? I ended up with Jazz Chisholm. It always comes back to the Jazz. Uh, <laughs> so some of the names that were available for me were were Adam Frazier, uh, and then I had to you know kind of figure if I wanted to keep uh, add one of those guys or keep Nick Madrigal, and then there was also Luis Arreyes and Joey Wendell. Uh, so with those five names that I just mentioned, Magical, Jazz Chisholm, Adam Frazier, Wendell, Luis Arreyes, which one of those names would you have gone with? Uh, only pick one. Only pick one. Jazz is the easy answer, okay. but I almost want to pick Luis Arreyes. Of course you do. You can't help yourself. I, I can't. I can't. It's, uh, it's, a, it's he a has, disease, Sean. It's he has like the highest walk rate in all of baseball, it's an which is weird. Uh, this, what, this, I, I, he's only this. batting 154, and his you know batted ball metrics aren't good again. But he's walking. That means something, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, he was just like one of those guys in the minors that I was like, this guy is the best prospect in baseball. Yeah. He is hit everywhere, and then he gets to the majors and he can't hit. It's like I, I don't know what it is. I have no words for why he's so bad but hey 
he's figuring it out kind of i don't know kind of sort of maybe <laughs> one day last name on the list and then we can wrap it up our favorite catcher of all time tucker barnhart we're going from 19 to 27 percent remember when i said that this is the time of year when owners realize that the guy that they drafted at catcher is not very good. So they look at Wilson Ramos like, hey, Wilson hey, Ramos. Hey, Wilson Ramos. <laughs> and Tucker Barnhart, remember what I said about him? Is like he gets all the playing time he can handle in Cincinnati. I think people are starting to see that that is becoming a truth. But let me tell you, as a former Tucker Barnhart owner, it's, yeah, playing time is important, but it's what you do with that playing time that is equally as important. Tucker Barnhart doesn't do shit with that playing time I'm hey he's batting right 387 now. so far this year uh, with 1100 yeah. ops mm-hmm. yeah i've been uh, i've been uh <laughs> i've been swooned by him before like that so uh I'm not i'm not gonna fool me again not gonna fool but you know what we say about catchers is like the, the older they get the better they get especially offensively yeah so maybe it's one of those things where that's what's going on but no 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 i don't think so no you can't well, fool me he again. he had a home run the other day uh don't, stevenson don't. had a walk-off do uh, so Barnhart has played in nine games mm-hmm. and Tyler Stevenson has played in nine games. Ah, so they finally got that 50, 50, there might be a 50, 50 thing going here. Oh. And I believe Tyler Stevenson is actually my catcher number two in the baseball life league. Uh, and so he's not really helping me out too much, but he's not hurting me when he does play. Uh, Cause he's hitting the ball like very well, just like he did last year. So yeah, I like Tyler Stevenson. I think he's the, he is the guy. Uh, they'll play Barnhart until the wheels fall off, but yeah. when they inevitably do, like you believe they will, uh, Tyler Stevenson is going to be right there. So Barnhart, uh, just to show you how fluky this is and how fraudulent he looks, he has two home runs, uh, four twenty four on base percentage, and he's a 30- always had uh, like a higher walk rate though for like a catcher. No, well, th- this is my point though, right here, thirty six point four strikeout rate. So <laughs> Oof, that's if that's that, not good. <laughs> if that doesn't scream fluke, I don't know what does, but you're right. Hey, uh, maybe he's selling out for power. Or, or maybe because he sees less playing time, he's not uh adjusting as 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 he's used to before, or maybe just to get more playing time, he's getting more aggressive. I don't know. I don't care. But you're right. He uh, he's always shown, been a guy who can get to anywhere anywhere between nine and twelve percent walk rate, yeah, and a very good manageable strikeout rate. And it's so now he's at 36 and his strike or his walk percentage has dropped to 3%. I would assume that there's a swing percentage increase there. I was just getting to it. Let me yeah. see if I could find it. All he's right, got a so, 55% whiff rate against breaking balls, but he's batting 375. So yeah, um, and, that's and, that screams like Austin Riley's first two weeks in the big leagues. And as far as uh, the fan graph numbers go, I mean, he's... <laughs> He's at 18.2 outside the swing percentage. Uh, uh, so he's still a incredibly patient hitter. He doesn't swing anywhere outside the uh, the, the strike zone. Um, he's getting more aggressive with those uh, pitches inside the strike zone. He's actually seen more pitches in the, inside the strike zone. He's making decent amount of contact. Oh, actually, no. Uh, in the strike zone, he is. But n- overall, he's not. He, he's so, got a, a career high 10.5% barrel percentage, which is good. Um, yeah, but yeah. Line it's, drive it's just, percentage is up. It screams fluke. Uh, and the swinging strike has gone up the last three seasons, including oh. this year. 12.3% is, is the highest it's been. And it's he's posting it in 2021. So it just it doesn't sound right. And with the part-time... Uh, he's uh, whiffing uh, more on fastballs. Uh, how old is he now? Uh, 30. 30. Yeah, yeah that's... 30. Uh, he used to be like low teens in whiff rate on fastballs. Yeah, last he, year, 20%. He, this year, 23.5%. Yeah, because he makes he used to make really good contact overall, and then now he's only at seventy two percent. So I wonder if that. And again, it might be because he's not playing as much, so he's not up there regularly. So who, so who knows? 
bottom line is don't trust them. Please don't do it. Don't do this. But many people are. He went from 19% to 27%. So Godspeed to you if you believe in him. And that wraps it up. That's the last of the list. Uh, I got nothing else for you, Sean, unless you have something for me. I want, I want one last question uh, from Brad. Uh, he said, if I can ask, does Leotis Tavares have any chance of hitting MLB pitching? And if you had listened to me before the season started, I would have told you no. And uh, I, it's just playing out. So quick pat on the back for myself here. You take your victory lap. There you go. I know we do. We, we run it around. There we go. Leotis oh, Tavares and- is not a major league hitter. Uh, he might have major league legs, but he does not have a major league bat. Uh, so, yeah, he's... I, Get rid of them. There's no use. He's got legs. Major (laughs) league legs. 70. Hey, that 70 prospect speed is a very tough thing to uh, break away from. So uh, if you're in a rotor league, you kind of, you kind of have to force yourself. Like one of these days he's going to hit and he's going to get on base and he's going to steal 30 bases. Uh, If you're in a points league, just get rid of him already. Just it's no, yeah, there's no, no reason. Like, why are you here? Yeah. Um, But yeah, we talked, but uh, getting back to the victory laps, I, I know that it triggers some of the baseball life members uh, when we brag about, oh, we're undefeated, we're undefeated. Uh, hey, I'm losing this week. So I'm- am I. I'm losing to Leon, who's been very like, oh, so you, you want to celebrate your April championship? Like, hell yeah. You know why, Sean? <laughs> because everybody else gets to do their victory laps. Why not us? But the difference is that we also call our, our mistakes and our, in our – I mean, we've done it numerous times since we started this podcast – but anytime we get something right, we're going to run our freaking victory laps because we earned that shit. So <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, we might see our first defeats. Uh, you might lose to Matthew Wheeling, who's been the worst team in the league. And, hey, it's uh, and, uh, about when you catch him, right? right. <laughs> he's getting hot. <laughs> yeah, he's finally figuring out this league. Uh, uh, and then uh, Leon defeated me in the basketball league. So if he beats me in this league, oh, he'll yikes. have two on me already. But that's uh, okay. Um, I'm going to make that up soon enough in the basketball league. And I'm definitely going to see him at least three more times, right? In this league as well. I think that's our, our format four times each, yep, four times each. So three more times, Leon with me. Hey, I, I just need uh, I got Robbie Ray and Freddie Peralta on the bump for me today in the baseball life league. Yeah. I'm losing in strikeouts right now and losing in strikeouts to walks and ERA. Um, Hey, it, they can just each give me a win. Maybe one of them, a quality start. Is that asking too much? Yeah, I'm I'm already resigned to the fact that I lost this matchup against Leon. So I'm already oh, my, my offense. Uh, two twenty four average, three or four on base has just been terrible. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, we we had a rough offensive week. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not much to say. Other and than I'm that. and I'm so sorry for those who don't know who Leon is. He does his own podcast with Jacob Anthony Moses over on the Ballist Life Facebook group, part of the Life Group Network. He does have a podcast called The Step Back every Friday night. It's a great great show to uh, follow. I'm actually going to hope to catch up on it today. Uh, maybe when I work out or do some chores around the house as I'd like to get my basketball fix from those guys whenever they appear. So speaking of podcasts, there are other podcasts in the Life Group Network tomorrow. Dong City goes on the air uh, at night. Uh, I did not realize that Vince was out last week, but they brought in Melvin. So check out their last episode uh, before you check in their new episode this upcoming Monday. Uh, the Audible, they're uh, ramping up their NFL drafts and, uh, analysis. Uh, Matt Bushnell and Randy Hammond are on, that, are on the docket for that one. The Workshoot podcast, they've been, <laughs> they've had so many shows to cover include because of WrestleMania weekend. I don't know if they're back to just doing one show a week uh, for Thursday nights, so we'll see. And now there's a wrestling program on Thursday nights. So now it's like they can't keep up with all uh, with there being a wrestling show every 
day of the week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, what am I missing here? Oh, the step back Friday nights. Yeah, moved step to back. Friday nights. And every Sunday morning, we kick off your life group podcast right here on the Total Basis Podcast. So for, Felipe, for me, Felipe, that is Sean over there. Have a good day, everybody.